Mentally Morbid. This podcast represents the opinions of the speakers and guests to the show. By listening to this podcast or reading any content posted or shared by the Mentally Morbid creators, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as psychological advice. The content should not be used in lieu of medical or psychological advice or any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care. The content here is for entertainment and educational purposes only. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or blog. Please consult healthcare professionals for any medical or psychological care. I always bring us in. I'll bring us in. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Kayla, and I have gummy worms. My name is Kinsey. I wish I had gummy worms. Gosh, he sounded so happy. This is Annie, and I don't have gummy worms, nor do I want gummy worms, because you know what gummy worms do? They make your teeth fuzzy. That's why you I wash your like teeth. Fuzz- you wash them. You give them a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if instead of toothbrushes we had little sponges? <laughs> I'm sure that would be so to... much better than, than toothbrushes. I'm sure they make those. Hi, Kayla. What kind of worms do you have? Ring. <laughs> no ringworms today. <laughs> I've been vaccinated. <laughs> oh, from from ringworms. We all. I don't think that's no, possible. It's not a vaccine for that. Last year I had hookworms. Does that count? Oh, that counts. Remember? <laughs> that was fun. I don't remember that don't. at all. Yeah. I have a story now, though. Thank you. Yeah. Well, no, because I had foster kittens and they had hookworm and it's a fungal infection. So one day I just also had hookworm. It was great. It was a good time. Wait, you know, I vaguely remember this. Yeah, I vaguely remember I that. think it's great that you made fun of me for not washing out my water glass once every day, <laughs> but yet you had hookworm and I haven't had hookworm or any kind of worm of my knowledge. You know what? Worms are disgusting. Your stray cats don't live in your bathroom. They live outside. So fuck you. I'll answer myself. Pinworms. <laughs> Pinworms? Yeah. 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 Those are nasty. Yeah. Annie, do you know what a pinworm is? I have an idea of what a pinworm is, but I really like the way you said, I'll answer myself. <laughs> answer my own question. I have to answer myself sometimes because neither of you pay attention to me. I I'm was sorry. coming back. Pinworms. Just explain yourself, please. They're little worms um, that come out of your butt while you're sleeping. <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. They go like this. Mm-hmm. Kids get them a looking. lot. She's not even looking. She doesn't want to know about butthole worms. <laughs> I okay. First of all, I have very good peripheral. I can see you just fine doing this <laughs> in the screen. I'm just concerned that we went from gummy worms to butthole worms, and I just don't understand. <laughs> it's a I understand. Listen, this train derails so fast. You just have to. You just have to. I- I don't even believe this train ever saw tracks. I don't believe this train <laughs> owned tracks. It was never running. It just fell over. It went from the... Where did <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. What? What? Where do they put trains together at? <laughs> do they... The train factory. <laughs> Where do they put trains together? 
The train do factory, they Annie. Do, do they come in on a truck? I was going to say they unload it from the bus, put it on, but then I was like, wait, where where do trains come from? You know? God. They probably build it on the track. I was wondering, kind of like a mobile home, right? Like everything just kind of goes right onto it. Yeah. Hmm. Y'all never watched how it's made. <laughs> oh, I watched no. how it's made. You put it on the you put it on the the wheels, or maybe I'm thinking of I didn't realize anyone hmm. that wasn't a forty year old man watched how it's made. So no, I oh haven't. I used to watch I used to watch how it's made all the Lindsay. time. You got to know how the tootsie rolls are made. That shit was good. All the gummies. How what is made? Tootsie rolls. Anything. Solo cups. Yeah. Are you guys the ones? Two liter bottles. They go. They blow it up. Magazines. Quad was on there. Ooh. Were you? You? Me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're still on YouTube. I don't know what more you could want, and not even from this. Well, the thirteen listeners just doesn't quite cut it against the fans of the. Do you know how it's made? No. <laughs> Not even what I'm talking about, but yeah. I think yeah. the narrator uh-huh. on how it's made is good. Oh, you mean our... Oh, wait. No, she's talking right. about our acting experiences. Yes, I'm talking, oh. about all, I'm talking about all of the videos on YouTube that Elizabeth refuses to delete that sometimes people find. I'm in love with that. I hope she never deletes it. May I live <laughs> in infinity forever. Every oh, once of in a us. while... Someone came up to me and they were like, hey, I was looking up structural therapy and you came up on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, great. Ah! I'm sure that's my best work. Ah! Oh, no. We got to put that shit on private. I will say, if you would have asked me my um, definition of structural therapy then and my definition of structural therapy now, I think it would have been better then. Oh, I, mine would have been sure, for sure. I texted yeah. the dancer. I got you. Was Where's it at? Lost That's all I know for most of that, which is why I always volunteer to be the actor instead of Kinsey. You're lost now. Yeah. Oh, hey, the backyard to Annie. I'm looking at you. Mm. The podcasters, the backyard um, podcast, the boys, the men, Fred and Frank. No, I mean, I, no, I'm Frankie and Joey. They're Fred going on tour. Oh, they're doing live shows now. Kinsey, you would love them if you would get on TikTok. Sometimes They're really I open, funny. Sometimes I open TikTok to see our notifications. That doesn't. I see help. at least one like a that. week. Wow. This is why we have to send our TikToks through the group chat because otherwise you're never going to see it. Right, but you didn't. You told me you would last week and you never did. So I'm still out of the loop. Which one? I don't remember, but you specifically said last episode, I'm going to send it to you. Never did. Oh, well, whenever I edit. I hope she sent it to you on TikTok. I probably did. Oh, God. Look at Annie using her pen to use her phone. Like a grandma. My phone's been cracked now for months. And honestly, it's like a punishment to myself. Like, you broke your phone and you're going to deal with it now. And half the screen stopped working, so now I have to use a pin for that half because I still refuse to get it fixed. Because it, guess what? It works. Hey, Annie, how did you break your phone? I broke my phone um, because I had just put vitamin E oil on my legs, and it was on my hands. And listen, I, it was great. I went outside my door, and you know how I, I don't know if you guys do it, but I'll flip my phone up like this, like to, <laughs> you the threw right it? orientation. <laughs> I went like that. 
it literally just slipped out of my hands, listeners, and all I was doing is flipping my phone around a little bit. It's I threw it and it landed face <laughs> onto the concrete outside. And don't even, I've dropped my phone a thousand times. I couldn't even get mad because I was like, it did, it broke that time, not the three thousand times before. Listen, so listen though. I knew, I knew when I asked that question how you broke your phone. I knew it was going to be something, Annie. <laughs> it was going to be so Annie. And that was so Annie. I don't know how I feel about this. For everyone for, for everyone who can't see it, she's flipping it like a pocket knife almost. No, yeah. Like in- or like a dip can. She's like, tch, tch, tch. Mm. I'm not thumping it. <laughs> yeah. She's not thump- she's not thumping it. That's what it looked like. She's but backwards. Flipping it. But I see what you're pocket saying. Knife. Yeah. I, I will say it. it's like opening a pocket knife. Yeah, because like it might be like the wrong side up. So you just take it between She's All like, your fingers and you flip it. Pachow. Yeah, and it put into the concrete. Yeah. You know, like I don't pachow. really that notice, but I think I do that. I think most people do it. I just don't think most people do it and then let go of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part I got wrong. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I remember having the distinct thought. This is where I do get mad at myself because I remember having the distinct thought of, hey, your hands are a little vitamin E-ish. Maybe you should, like, go wash them with soap. So they're not so Mm-mm. oily. Cute Mm-mm. broken phone. But, you know, honestly, my, most of my phones, I had to really look at myself and take an internal introspection kind of moment <laughs> and go, you always break your phone. Because I, before that, would have said, you're actually really good about not. But I forgot how many screens I've had to fix. And that's why I thought I haven't broken a lot of phones. It's because I always fix them. But every phone that I've had that has had like a screen like these, it's cracked at least once, if not twice. You've had that phone for like two years, right? Two or three years? Oh, this is the 22 Ultra. So I guess just a year for this one. This, but no, because no. I broke, the, I cracked the screen first on the girls' trip that we did in Panama City. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What year was that? 21? Mm-hmm. No, I think it was 20 Ultra? 22 Ultra? Oh, it was 22. It was 22 at wow. So just a year and a half or so, which and is why I refuse to get it fixed. Because I, I will not pay that much money for a phone that I'm still paying off. So it's just going to be cracked and half working forever. Suffer. You should at least pay for a new screen. I will not. When it <laughs> when it goes out will be the day that I get it fixed. When it completely goes out, when I cannot use it and I'm stressing about it, then I will go that day and say, I will pay $400 for an for aftermarket. For a new screen? For a new screen. Mm. So anyways, Kenzie, how's moving? How's living with a boy? Well, he's not here, so it's great. Wonderful. (laughs) Ghost boy, Casper. (laughs) Can we just talk about your news? Oh, sorry. Well, I was just talking to my dad, too, about the fact that, like, my boyfriend dog sits and summer is already, like, almost, like, people are already booking him for June. And I was like, wow, it's going to be, this is such a nice big apartment when you're all by yourself. Ooh. Vacation. <laughs> June? Uh-huh. uh-huh. That is six months from now. Uh-huh. I got to say, yeah. that watermelon is very rindy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it was very, it was she very just, She's actually just eating the skin. I wasn't happy about it. Anyways, proceed. Look disgusting. We got DoorDash on Sunday because we were unpacking. Oh, Oh. go ahead. 
please. We were unpacking um, on Sunday and it was monsooning. And so we got DoorDash, not DoorDash, what is it? Instacart for our groceries for the week. She picked watermelon that is basically just the rind. She picked green beans that lasted one day. They're already, we already had to throw them away. And she picked banana pudding that was like soup texture. It was water. Oh, wait, no. I could have handled a lot of things, but I do not like the put the pudding <laughs> the pudding that's soupy. Gus said this looks like soup, and he was like, here. And I was like, I don't ever want I don't want any of it. And he was like, why you asked for it? And I was like, no, you ruined it. Don't get away from me. <laughs> yep. Annie, what happened in your head just now? <laughs> so there's a there's a fly. Okay, there's a fly in my office, and I thought I saw it on the edge of my microphone, but it turns out it was my toe. <laughs> It was your toe. What? <laughs> oh, your vision. <laughs> I was sorry. like, "Why the fuck is your toe on your microphone?" <laughs> That's just it. Anyways, sorry. I scared myself with my toe. <laughs> I just see you quietly I giggling. Was trying, your I was trying not to to interrupt because she was telling a story, but my toe I'm trying to talk about my soup pudding. I'm sorry. Before that, you were telling us how Gus is booked until June. Which is very far away from now. No, he's not even well, he, booked until June. He's got like two bookings between now and June, but June he is completely booked. Why? Oh, I don't know. Because summer. Because summer. So it's been really slow, and then in June he just won't be here. I guess. Okay. Maybe July next. Is that, is that bad though? I'm gonna be honest. I'm a little I bit feel- weak. I'm a little bit of a weenie, so I'm a little scared to sleep here by myself for the first time, but I think after that will be okay. You have what? the angriest dog. <laughs> and he's literally heavier than I am. So, like... <laughs> and he wants watermelon so bad. Listen, that dog will let you know if anything moves, breathes, or exists that doesn't normally move, breathe, or I exist. I know. Can you imagine if I didn't have copper? I'm scared with copper. I have. I'm. That must mean I'm pretty brave, because I rely on my cats to just be acting different. If someone's in the house, like if they're skittering to go, skittering. Oh God, skittering, she, skittering. Amy, what to is go happening lay. tonight? What is that? Well, pineapple. Cheese. Cheese. Pineapple. I can't. Sorry. Pineapple. Proceed. Pineapple. Cheese. What the fuck is that? Cheese and pineapple. Okay. (laughs) Pineapple and cheese mixed together. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, I if I'm scared, if I start getting nervous, I just have to have a cat next to me because they usually their mannerisms tell me if someone's close. I would feel super brave if I had a copper. I can't even imagine relying on the cats. I feel like, like for instance, right. my cats get treats every night because Lemon's a terrorist and she follows me around the house screaming until I give her treats at night. My cat has trained preventable. me. No, I I don't know how it happened. And now it's, I want water in the sink. And I also never offered her water in the sink. One day she just decided she wanted water in the sink. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Bitch is training. She's the captain now. She's, She's the captain I'm in now. An abusive relationship with this cat. I don't. I don't believe in giving cats treats every night. They don't get enough exercise to 
like get it off, you know? But they do now. And if I move too fast after I put the treats on the ground, Cricket is gone. She's like, fuck that. Kinsey, There's an intruder. Kinsey, you blaming the cats for them getting their treats every night is the epitome of every other relationship in your life and your idea of boundaries. <laughs> that could not have been a better explanation for Good. you getting mad at people oh, for yeah. you doing the things you do. <laughs> Good call out. For sure. Because they, they net like all you had to do is not ever give them the treat. <laughs> and you would never know that they demand treats every night. The water. I don't think Lemon just turned on the water. I'm pretty sure at one point Lemon was sitting at the faucet and you were like, oh, you want water? I guess. No, she probably turned. Hold on. She probably <laughs> thought it was really cute that Lemon wanted water. And she turned on the sink and she's like, oh, I'm going to Snapchat. And now we have. Now it's every single time I'm near a sink. Every sink in my home. You got to get a fountain, a, a water fountain. It's on the list. Like, it's like on I the have. Move list. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like, I don't think she'll use it. And I'm like, I don't believe she will. She won't. Bitch loves water. Cats, cats really love um, moving water, which is why we had to get a fountain. No, they do. And that's the problem, right? It's the same thing with, is it Gary? Like, woman got dehydrated that one time, and I don't want it's her to get Alice. it. Alice. Alice has, she gets really bad UTIs because she doesn't get enough water. Yeah. Because she has, like, spurs in her pee, I guess. Oh. That, like, shred her uterus. I mean, her, um, that what's it called? Urethra? Urethra. Urethra. Her, her urethra, it'll, like, scrape the sides of it, like... And it'll start bleeding. But yeah, she gets UTIs oh if she doesn't. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, And so now she's on special UTI medicine and she has a water fountain. So because she whenever she has still water, she dips her fingers in there and then licks her paws, which does not get her enough water. Right. No, that's the problem. And I Googled it once and apparently it's because <clears throat> that's like. And because some cats do the same thing, like they hit the side of the bowl. I've noticed a lot of my fosters do that to like see if the water moves because sometimes like I think they can't tell if there's water in certain bowls, but also it's to help check to see if there's like bacteria or stuff. Because, That's like, because cats have shit eyesight. Did oh, you know for that? sure. Lemon always be looking like she's blind. You know that purple dude in Monsters, Inc.? She looks like him. She like. Yeah. The purple Randall. I think his name is Randall. His name's Randall. Yeah, she always be squinting. <laughs> anyway, um, shout out to Kevin. Shout out to the shout out to the ambiguous arms of people that just drop things off while we're podcasting. Today it was pineapple, just the one singular arm. Not to bring up SpongeBob again, but you know the random Jesus hand Christ. that just comes in yeah. to the yeah, yeah. you know. Do you remember that SpongeBob episode where that, uh, yes. God, what's his name? No, the movie, the movie where the Baywatch dude who was on yeah. America's Got Talent. David Hasselhoff. Thank you. David Hasselhoff. Baywatch dude. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I remember. That's where he became I watched that movie several Andy? times. <laughs> Baywatch. On SpongeBob. Yes. No, Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Annie um, found a story for us today, hopefully, maybe Listen. before or after throwing her phone. Again, um, you know what's funny about my story? 
is um, I was going. <laughs> okay, well, this the story I was going to do is definitely not going to be funny. I was going to do a story. If there's that a dead dog, I'm leaving. I'm fucking leaving. Lindsay, I would never. <laughs> I know. That's just that's ever. Just, that's kind of, just the cunt over here. <laughs> I could never. Um, no, I was, was going to do a story about a plane crash. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God. What a that's wonderful why, idea. That's why you were trying to gaslight me earlier. Okay, listeners. No, listeners. I was. Side, no, no, okay, listeners, listeners, I was note. not gaslighting you, though. Side note. I saw a post today about what is, it, what, is, what is the plane crash called? The Andes plane crash? Um, I don't know because we didn't talk about it. <laughs> I'm almost positive we did. I saw a post today about a movie being off of that really famous plane crash with all the people and they had to live in the Andes the for all that time. The soccer players. I'm pretty sure we did a story on that. I'm positive my favorite murder did a story on that. And Kayla and I are both convinced we did a story on it. I'm just so confused now. Why do I know the story? <laughs> it's a very popular Amy, story. Amy's like, we never did that story. And I just don't believe it. We never her. did the story. I looked at our stories as we were I'm talking looking. about it. I you reviewed. Out- yes, I checked. We never talked about it. And that's why oh. I was going to do it today. Because I watched the movie. I read the story. So I, I was cooking and I started listening to a YouTube. It's like a 20 minute clip of the story. And I was like, this would be a great way to kind of multitask at the story, cook dinner. I was like 15 minutes into it. And I was like, I am not talking about this tonight. This is dark. I was going to really do it on like bad. survival and shit. And I was like, I don't want to talk it, about this. It's, it's it's really bad. It's dark. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really, I think for, there's like a lot of psychological perspectives you can take on it. And I think it would be great for somebody to talk about. I was not feeling it. So I have a very different route to go tonight. You're right. We didn't talk about it, but I know the story. I know. you. Oh, know. Yeah. It has a popular comics? story. Animal comments. <laughs> Animatronics. Oh. Mm-mm. Oh, Mm-mm. that was just a wild guess. I, th- I thought I was going to get it. Turns out that's different from animal comments. <laughs> Okay, tell me. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. I can't just tell you. <laughs> I'm tell a story. What's well, the title? I just want to remind everyone that we need to learn how to podcast. I just remembered that nice review that we had. What do you mean? When I pulled up our podcast history, that nice review that says that we just scream and cackle. So, Annie, get with it. Learn how to ah! podcast. Oh, we're up. Okay, sorry. Take out. Learn how to podcast. That was the title of her review. Okay, in order to learn how to podcast, I have to learn how to, like, focus on one topic at a time without (laughs) hyper-focusing on that topic. That's not happening. So we're going to podcast the way we podcast. Hell yeah. Okay. I have a a few short stories tonight to tell you. Oh, a poetry (laughs) slam? Oh, my God. We should. It's a roast, actually, against you. Can you imagine if we went to, like, a poetry reading together? No. No. We that should was, never do that. Those poor people. Ever. I I have a lot of respect for poets for poetry. Like I would like by myself I with Kevin. Yes. Love poetry. Right. Together. together? Individually, individually we would, I would all enjoy it. Together. And respect it. I would throw up in my mouth <laughs> trying to hold back laughter. <laughs> I feel like I have, I have to go. I have to leave. This is exactly why teachers separate the young boys in the back of the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> all the front oh, yeah. We would absolutely be separated. 100%. Oh, that would not so. stop me. I'd be like, 
hey, Kayla. And the teacher would be like, Can you shut up? That's about how college experience was, yeah. So a teenage girl dies in this story. Oh, okay. Oh, God. There's a little switch, just a trigger warning. That probably should have come first. Anyways, um, it's Sunday, this past Sunday, December 10th, 2023. Um, switching gears a little bit. Yeah. So this is, there's a few deaths to get through um, to get to the meat of the story. But did you? what did you just say the date was? Sunday, December 10th. Okay. 2023. Sorry. I didn't make sure I heard you right. Yeah. This like literally just happened. Literally just Two happened. days ago. Two days ago by our standards, a month later for the listeners. Which is, yeah, which is why I also say December 10th. Okay. So we are in a small Texas town and Louise Jean Wilson, 17, is driving to Galveston, Texas for a short getaway with some friends. A driver um, in some way begins to come into her lane or brakes or something in front of her. They're not quite sure, which forces her into the lane beside her, cutting off the driver that was beside her. And at this point, um, the driver then begins, sorry, the driver of the car that she cuts off begins to shoot the car with Louise Jean Wilson. So 17. So this is around 1.05 AM when the officers arrived, they find a car that's damaged by gunfire. Um, the police can just kind of basically um, assume that the driver, Louise Jean, um, the teenager that got shot, that she swerved in front of the gunman's car to avoid the other vehicle. And they're thinking, like I said, while that um, the car was breaking and then this, uh, the suspect, the murderer in this, responds with violence um, and he shoots and kills her 17. Okay. So this was Sunday. Um, Let's see. Let's pick New Mexico 2015. Alan Garcia in exasperation from a car, forcing him into another lane, throws up his hands. Right. So we've, I'm sure we've all done it when a car, you know, cuts us off or does something weird. We just kind of throw up our hands. What the hell, you know, or other words we might use. Um, so this is Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, this sets a few chain of events. The driver of the other car, Tony Torres, begins to chase Garcia because Garcia kind of accelerates a little bit. Tony Torres chases Garcia. He then pulls out a handgun and fires two shots. So Torres fires two shots at Garcia's car. One of them hits Garcia's four-year-old daughter, Liliana. And I believe she does pass away in this. And the driver, Tony Torres, is sentenced to about 16 years in prison. Jesus Christ. Yes. I'll give one more. There's about five of these, but I'll give just one more. Um, So let's do Florida. Um, Florida or New York City? Kinsey, you want to hear about Florida? Sure. Why not? Sure. Um, 2015. So Robert Doyle calls the police in 2015. Like I said, this is in Florida. Um, He says that another driver has attempted to ram him clean off the road. So basically like hit him off the road. At the same time, um, Gonzalez's wife, which is another driver, Kathy is on the phone with police to tell them about a driver that was out of control. She told the police they intended to follow him home. So there's two different cars going on here. It's a little unclear who's who in the situation. Um, but 
at the end of the day. Um, the whole incident plays out in police radio as Doyle, weapon in hand, so this is the original person that calls, pulls into his driveway. Gonzalez, um, remember this is the one whose wife called. Gonzalez blocks his car, blocks Doyle's car. Doyle opens fire as he exits the car. Gonzalez was killed by four separate gunshots, and Doyle holds his family at gunpoint until the police arrived. He's then charged Literally with second-degree murder. Up. Right. The charges are later dropped, um, I guess, because they're saying that it was self-defense, um, or at least that he was thinking that it could have been self-defense. So, what do you guys think these are all examples of? Road oh, rage. I wonder. Road rage. So, yeah. So, I um, didn't want to talk about cannibalism or being stuck in the mountains. But road rage was the... Murderous road rage was a better alternative? Apparently this was more lighthearted. I will say cannibalism Go and being ahead. stuck in the icy mountains for 74 days over road rage sounds better. A four-year-old lost her life. We're not talking about her. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're saying road rage or cannibalism, then I'm going to pick road rage. Yell at me. Don't mm-hmm. eat me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clarify. <laughs> Hold on. They all involved guns. Yeah, they did. So it would be shoot me. Don't shoot me. me. Don't eat me. Still, I'll pick it. Shoot me. Do not eat me. In any scenario. Por que no los dos? No. No los dos. Have you seen The Walking Dead? Don't eat me. I don't. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I don't want to be eaten by a dead person. I don't want to be eaten by a live person. Don't eat me. Kinsey's nodding in agreement. Yes, she agrees. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Please is it loud and clear? Because earlier you were telling me I was too quiet and it wasn't crisp. Anyways, so yes, we're talking about road rage. I like this. I like this interactive example. Continue. Okay, so yeah, so there's a lot of information that I have gathered on this. So feel free at any point to jump in. I have too much information. So as we talk, as you guys have thoughts, I will just kind of fill in with the information. So first thing, you know, when we're talking about anything, we have to define it, right? Road rage. Um, So the term road rage is not what a lot of the articles use. Um, The articles being, (laughs) the first one, the zebra. That's where I got my data and statistics from. The zebra. I love it. It sounds very sound. What's the sound of zebras? (laughs) Is it I drive safely, Houston News, APA, and Psychology Today. And we can't forget about Wikipedia. I tried so hard not to use Wikipedia just so I could say I didn't use Wikipedia. And the last fucking thing I had to research just had to come from Wikipedia. So, Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. I owe you two more dollars because they're emailing me hard. Oh, they want money so bad. So bad. Please, please, by the end of the year, please. I need money. So road rage, uncontrolled anger that is usually provoked by another motorist's irritating act. I love the way they say that irritating act. Like it's your fault and is expressed in aggressive or violent behavior. Kinsey, who do you think is most likely in our group to experience road rage? Experience road rage or be the road rager? To be the road rager, be. not to be the victim of. Uh, me. 
Interesting choice. No, I would pick that as well. Huh. I get re- if I'm in a hurry. So I drive like a grandma if I'm like in town, but if I am on a road trip and I'm like coming to see one of y'all bitches and I got somewhere to be, I'm like Cruella DeVille on those highways. Let's fucking go. Got places to be. I believe that. Kayla, who would you say? I was going to say myself, but okay. maybe that's just an internal thing. No, I would agree with either one. <laughs> it's not Annie. Either way, it's not Annie. Annie's nope. like, please, go ahead. Just go. Whatever's going to keep me alive, please, just go. I'm paranoid that people are always <laughs> going to kill me. I always yeah, think that somebody's going to pull a gun on me. Um, but the other thing is, I'm I'm randomly aggressive. Randomly. Yeah. It's not even if I'm in a if I'm late. Sometimes if I'm running late, I'm I'm cool as a cucumber because I'm like, well, fuck it, I'm running late. But anyways, so the term that a lot of the actual um, like psychological magazines used um, was high anger drivers. So it wasn't road ragers, high anger drivers. Um, and so they define this basically the same way. Um, but there's a few characteristics that um, you'll see with high anger drivers. One of those is going to be Um, them engaging in hostile or aggressive thinking. So I asked Kevin earlier, I was like, Kevin, do you Kevin. (laughs) I even told him, I'm going to talk about you tonight. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about Kevin. The answer is Kevin. The answer is Kevin. Yeah, it wasn't me or Kinsey. It was actually a sneaky answer of Kevin. (laughs) I asked him, I was like. Kevin is so scary in the car. Oh, God. He's so scary. I said, hey, I'm going to talk about you. And I was like, I'm going to talk about road rage. And he was like, oh, no. And I was like, right. And he proceeded <laughs> to say that he he isn't a road rager. And so I brought him a definition back. And I was like, you don't have to hit him to be a road rager. <laughs> Aggressive thinking is the first characteristic. So they're more likely to insult other drivers or express dis- disbelief about the way others drive, which is a really kind way of saying that they call them fucking morons half the time. Kenzie? <laughs> I'm going to say I already have a problem with this because I feel like (laughs) if they're going to identify a definition for the word road rage, I feel like we should also have a definition for the word anger because anger could mean so many things. This is such a broad definition. Also, I'm thinking this specifically because like one of the girls in my cohort here, Tatiana, her entire like dissertation was the difference between anger and aggression. And so I'm just hearing a lot of those words where it's like, what, but what does that mean? You know, like, what does this look like? Because like what Kevin said, right? Like Kevin doesn't feel like he's angry because he's not getting out of his car to beat them up, which honestly, I've seen Kevin try to get out of his car to beat them up. So I'm not surprised. For the listeners who don't know my husband, he's a sweetheart of a guy. He's not abusive. I Unless you cut him off. Oh my God. Kevin Unless you so- cut his car off. Kevin is so fucking chill unless we're on a road trip to see Kayla in South Carolina and someone's in his way on the highway. He was I was so scared. Oh, we were going to die. So yeah, so hostile and aggressive thinking. And you know, can see what you're talking about with like anger um, versus aggression. How people, I'll, I'll have people in, in sessions that will sometimes, if I use the word anger, and I use this as like a primary emotion word. So it envelops a lot of things, right? And it's kind of what you're saying is it, it means a lot of different things. Um, they'll say, well, I wasn't angry. I wasn't mad. And so I'll say, okay, like frustrated, irritated. And so I always see it's like a stepping stone. Like anger is kind of like that higher level emotion of like irritability. Um, but I would even say like, I don't, I don't ever really feel hostile 
but I'll feel anger. So I think it, it would be weird to say that anger is like hostile thinking. It's funny that you say that. I actually have a CV. Well, first of all, there's a book, The Dance of Anger, that I've always wanted to read that it's on my bookcase and I've never gotten mm-hmm. to, but supposedly very good. Second off, um, I find that interesting because for two reasons. Number one, a lot of therapists have really highlighted that they feel there's a, I feel like there's a big divide in how therapists conceptualize anger. And we have this group of therapists that are like, anger is a secondary emotion. It's hiding your hurt and your pain and your rejection. Sorry, and then yes. we have Then we have people that are like, anger is a primary emotion, right? Anger is just one of our core emotions. Inside Out, for instance, identifies anger as a primary emotion. Did you guys know they're coming out with an Inside Out 2? And they're trying to add like anxiety and some other secondary thoughts into it. But in the way they conceptualize that, they would say everyone internally is, has an angry self, right? But for the second thing, it made me think of a CBT book I have, and it has like, different faces on it. And you actually have to rank them with words like that. So you have to say like, anger comes before hostile for me or yeah. mad comes so before angry. Individualizing it. Yeah. Cause everyone's going to have a different idea. And I have clients that say that all the time. They're like, well, that's not the, fe- the word I would use for that feeling. Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know, CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a type of therapy that you can receive from a therapist or professional. You know what? I'm tired of giving our listeners and learned helplessness. Go Google it yourself. We've also mentioned it in several other episodes. So if you don't know at this point, listen to my other fucking episodes. Wow. And this is a great example of aggression and hostility. Yeah. No. So with anger, I I think I, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you my opinion. I think it's both primary Uh. and secondary. Yeah, I know, right? Who would guess? Um, I think it's both primary and secondary because I think it's primary as, as, as in it's like a primary emotion and that you have anger, sadness, um, happiness, stuff like that. But that oftentimes we experience it in a secondary way, which is that it's being like evoked fear, other emotions. Yeah. Like fear and like. Right, jealousy. right. So like um, I might be jealous of a girl that my husband is talking with. And so I get mad at him instead of expressing my jealousy, which is underneath. And Kevin is just getting... What a douche, right? God, him talking about the women. How new. Trying to hit well, people and hit on people. This episode makes him sound like an asshole. <laughs> this episode sponsored by Kevin. <laughs> Brought to you by the letter K. <laughs> um, no, I like, I like what you're saying. I mean, it's one of the primary emotions on the feelings wheel so i don't know how we got into it's it. in the middle so it's got to be primary right yeah so characteristic number two characteristic number two of hiring your drivers they take more risks on the road so they might like drive aggressively so this is where you get into more action and behavior so high anger drivers are more likely to go 10 to 20 miles per hour over the speed limit rapidly switch lanes tailgate so not only is this when with when they're within this level of anger but also just they take more risks. Isn't Check. that interesting? Check. That Check. they put themselves in that position and then blame everybody else yes. for yes. being in the way. It's like, what when it's their first? fucking fault. I can't wait to tell you where this comes from. Yeah, okay. We're going to hold on to that one. I'm going to wait. Not Wikipedia. <gasps> Zebra. Zebra! <laughs> We're going to hold it for a, a little bit because I'm going to introduce that kind of towards the end. Um, so another couple of characteristics, um, when high anger drivers get angry, uh, they behave more aggressively so that this is just, this is like the chicken egg thing. Right. But, um, they do get, they do get more aggressive as it goes on. 
Um, so they don't, you know, take the breath and calm down. They're going to escalate with the situation mm-hmm. and just by themselves in a car. Um, they also generally have twice as many car accidents in driving simulations. They are also more often associated with certain traits like anger, anxiety, and impulsiveness. So I don't think any of these characteristics are surprising. No. Mm-mm. I think they're these, all, you can assume people, it. These people are categorized with um, people who punch holes in the wall in my brain. Oh, show. I yeah. see it as a tall, middle to late aged man. He wears a lot of baseball hats. He loves UGA. Just to clarify, Kevin's never punched any holes in my walls before. And if he were, I'd punch a hole in his wall. How about that? Oh, Oh. how about them apples? (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of statistics might you guys want? What do you think of? Because I was thinking like, okay, first of all, gender, right? Like you want to, yeah, you want to know gender. Definitely Uh men. So I um I do have some stats on gender and Kinsey because I know that you hate when we use old stats. I made sure I got the good ones. Thank They're after so the year 2020 at least. Oh some my are God, from this year. What? Yes. I I'm already impressed that you came with the story that started two days ago. Like that's some recent data right there. I didn't want to hear you tell me again um, as a <laughs> listener that just so you know research wouldn't actually use data from that time but here we are so what a know it all honestly the stats kind of track what you would assume they tried to in a fancy way say at one point that females are also going to experience road rage listen so okay here's, here's i have never never seen a woman it, okay there are some stories but let me, okay, let me read you a couple. So studies on gender and traffic safety say males under the age of 19 are the most likely to exhibit road rage and tailgate. I was surprised by the age. I would have thought it would have been older, but I'm not, I'm not surprised that it's age 19. I, I guess it's just, you I would have remember, thought though, maybe, yeah, go ahead. You got to remember that that, uh, until the they're 21, no, until they're 21, their insurance is like three times higher than a teenage girl. Like teenage boys insurance is like three times higher because they're more likely to have issues on the road. Yeah. I used that with Kevin the other day to tell him why he was wrong, that women were not as good at driving. But anyways, (laughs) apparently according to Kevin's high impulsivity and high aggressive driving, you're not as good at driving because you don't get there in as many fancy moves or as quickly. I do not get there as quickly. That fancy is one way of describing risky. Um, so in another study to explore those who say they experience road rage, um, let's see, men have experienced about, okay, so it's about 45 to 55, so it kind of depends on who's answering the questions. But listen to how they phrase this one. In a study to explore those who say they experience road rage more than four times a week, 34% were female. They tried to make it sound like it was females experience all because it says however but it's still only 34 which tells me that more are men <laughs> so men are more likely to experience it more than four times in a week it's very confusing written Many it is words. that's why i'm clarifying men are more likely to experience road rage Duh. but they're also more likely to have it directed at them duh by men yeah by men 
<laughs> right. So that's the that's the gender stats. Um, do we want to guess the states with top road rage incidents? Oh, going to be Florida, South. Florida, Texas, New York. Those are my guesses. I'm going to tell you, you're wrong on two of those. Damn it. Right <gasps> on Texas. So cities, this is the top five. New York, California. I already said New York. Well, LA. Wrong. Still wrong. Get out of California. It. It's Texas. I'm going to try to guessing. tell you. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to keep guessing. <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? <sighs> Texas, Michigan, Georgia, and Minnesota were rated the top five road rage capitals. Now, and what's funny. When I, it's well, Atlanta. Remember when I told you guys the other day? I think I told you guys this. But I may have dreamed that. But Georgia is one of the only states left where police officers are allowed to just like follow people and try to like they're it's one of the only states where um profiling? No, that they can actually like, chase cars. Chase cars, yeah. If someone runs oh, a red light, yeah. they can chase you. I think I told you guys that. It's like one of the only states left they're still allowed to do that. Because it's incredibly dangerous. Well, what's funny about that is there's also a few places that were said to have the kindest drivers, which is Minnesota, Tennessee, Missouri, and also Georgia. So Georgia's <laughs> angry Both. and kind. Yeah, I feel like it's the it's the uh, that Georgia. What is the what's it the line? The fault line. <laughs> the fault line. Florida Georgia line. The band. Oh yes, it's kind of that. <laughs> it's where the band lives. You're right. Mason it's, Dixon it's line. The fault line. Everyone below the fault line is a kind driver. Everyone above the fault line, fuck you. Well, I feel like the old people are really nice. They are, except according for, to except stats. For Kevin. Um, <laughs> except for Kevin. Listen, they kept trying to say in this that it was obviously the millennials causing the issues. And honestly, there's a lot of stats where it does describe millennials as being very high in the age range that's likely to experience road rage. Not receive, but experience. We're just angry and tired. That's all it is. Do you know what it is? They want to get home and go to bed. We're tired. We can't afford anything. We have four jobs. We only sleep two hours. Preach. We graduated and then there was a recession. We've been angry since then. Tired since then. Recession. Pandemic. There's a lot of things. Riots. 9-11. 9-11. There's a lot of shit. So here's a few more stats. Also 50% of, no. Oh, I was going to say, I also think it's important because I remember them saying that aggression is more likely when it's hot. Like I learned that in undergrad and uh-huh. it's going to be hot down here more often. So that's why I'm surprised Florida's not on there. Um, no, Florida wasn't on there. It was in top 10 um, states with the most fatalities, but the top state with the most fatalities was actually Indiana. Oh, don't drive there. Dangerous. And then Isn't guess who right? number two was? But Indiana has a lot of the race car driver. Indianapolis has the race car stuff. So maybe that's why they're trying to be race car drivers. What was your question? That's a backhand jump. Yet. That's a jump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Indianapolis is in Indiana to start with. Do we know that? I'm pretty sure it's, it's the like, capital. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the capital. Is it? Kayla? I don't know. <laughs> Hold Say on. it again. <laughs> Indianapolis, Indiana. I think you're right. I think it is. Indianapolis is the city. A city is the in 
it's the capital and most populous city in Indiana. Again, Annie trying yeah. to gaslight me. I'm not trying to gaslight. I'm telling you you're wrong. <laughs> I believed it too. It's not gaslighting if I believe it too. Oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> she gaslit the whole group. She's like, like I'm coming down with me. She's like, okay, but South up. Carolina's second. Just saying. What's car, car, race car, car drivers. Car What's the race car driver there, Kinsey? <laughs> I'm just saying the Indy 500 and Indianapolis. These, Okay, listen, no. Here's my theory. I would assume if there are fatalities in the Indy 500, those are recorded as fatalities in Indiana. So it is likely there is a slight... How often do you think people die in professional racing? I saw it in that that movie that I just watched. Cars doesn't count. No, (laughs) I saw the one about the the video game guy that became a racer. Yeah! Okay, so that died. was a real story. I know, and yeah. googled it. That was a that was also that was a really good movie, by the way. Yeah, it that was. was a really good movie. Yeah, it was. okay. Don't spoil it. I want to watch it. Relax. It was a really good movie. I want to tell you everything from start. Let me let me experience. Let me tell you from the start what happens and everything. I in will ruin Throne of Glass for you. <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm done. I'm done. It's fine. I'm going away. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you guys the term that we're gonna bring in. Um, in finale of this episode hostile attribution bias i like it good picasso (laughs) what does that mean i was gonna answer that (laughs) if i had a definition i would answer that so is it from zebra it's not from zebra no this is actually from psychology today so hostile attribution bias is how they explain why a lot of people experience road rage um, so it is the belief that every accidental inner injury or threat is purposeful and personal. So this say the say the term again. Hostile attribution bias. So think hostile anger, attribution. So how we attribute the behavior to what's going mm-hmm. on. And bias is of course gonna be some kind of belief that is influenced by something. So hostile attribution bias. The belief that every um, threat or injury is purposeful and personal. So we are attributing Ooh. the behavior of somebody else as intentional Man. to something. Okay. So yeah. now as an example, because um, this, this comes from the psychologist Nasby, Hayden, and DePaulo. Nasby, Hayden, and DePaulo in 1980. So they noticed that what? there were some... Why are you yelling? <laughs> 32 years old. What happened? Is it, what, is it Kinsey? Yeah. It's not though. 32 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Dear God. I mean, it's, it's still me. wrong. It's 43, but. <laughs> so they were watching it's children. So children so who could also do that kind of math. And realized that they were that some of the children were having issues in the groups, and that it's because they were attributing some of the behaviors um, as intentional. So, like if a kid were to like accidentally mm-hmm. bump into them, the other kid might push him back or something. And so, this mm-hmm. is where they coined the term hostile attribution bias. So, the idea behind this is when the um, we'll say the road rager. So, this is gonna be the number you know number one driver. The road rager is driving. If a car, random car, cuts them off. They're going to say they did it on purpose. They did it intentionally. Um, so I I use this example a lot. One second, guys. 
I use this example with clients because I do have, um, who also happen to be male, clients who experience road rage. And we talk about it within their anger management um, goals that we're talking about. And we discuss the narrative that we have while we're driving and that if somebody cuts us off, a lot of times what I would talk about them, um, talk about with them is that in that moment, you believe that this person is moronic, right? They don't care about anybody else. They did it on purpose. They're basically screaming, fuck you at you. And so this is a great example of hostile attribution bias. So this person is experiencing this anger because they're believing that they're doing it to them intentionally. So it's not just anger, it then becomes a rage. And this is where I think, you know, all of it, I don't have a lot of data on this part because we kind of do this all the time. When we talk about anger, we talk about anger a lot of times as protective, right? Now, Kinsey, I don't, I don't really know how you describe it. Would you care to kind of share how you describe it to your clients? I don't. That's a good question. I, I honestly provide all aspects, all like I provide both sides of the argument for these kind of things because I don't really have a solidified answer, but I definitely, is the bug now in your wine? I caught the bug guys. Thank goodness. goodness. It's the end of the podcast. But um, full circle. I definitely think it's, I'm, getting really into parts work lately. And so this idea of internal family systems and IFS. So mm-hmm. I really liked recently, I really liked the idea of it living like a maladaptive coping mechanism, right? Like it's a protective factor. Our body's trying to protect us from something that we perceive as a threat. So that's my most recent yeah. thing that I've enjoyed. So when I talk with clients about anger, um, I usually describe it as a secondary because usually when it's coming up for them, it's going to be related to something that's a little bit more vulnerable. And so I describe anger as this emotion that acts a lot like anxiety does. So I usually go back and I say, okay, so anxiety is this emotion that if you're in a dark alley in the middle of a city, I'm in the evening time and you hear a noise, anxiety is going to arise in you because your mind experiences a potential threat. In the same way, if you then, if you're, and especially because I work with a lot um, with females, if then um, a man comes from the end of the alley and you see this person, that anxiety then becomes an actual potential threat. Um, So your mind then says, I need to protect myself. So it's not anymore just um, thinking about worrying. It's then an actual threat in front of you. So that anxiety could then, we could say it's more fear-based, right? Um, So there's an actual threat, not just a perceived threat. So at that point, you have a choice of fight or flight. And oftentimes when we're in this fight state, that's when we're experiencing that anger. So that this anger then causes a biological reaction within your body. Um, So it's the adrenal response, right? And for listeners, just the, the basics of this is your body goes into the parasympathetic nervous system where your um, adrenaline pumps, your pupils dilate, stomach kind of shuts down so that you don't need that anymore. You basically get ready to fight. Your body gets you prepared. Sweat glands produce sweat kind of things. And this is a very normal biological function. And the reason that I think it's important to note this is because when we're talking about hostile attribution bias, it's one thing to say they could be doing this intentionally. But if you're driving and you think that this person actually, and you're attributing their behavior to intentional, to probable cause, right? Then you're going to say that I am now being threatened. 
And so at mm-hmm. that point, your biological mechanisms kick into gear in the same way as if I'm looking over into the car beside me and I see somebody pointing a gun at me, I'm going to experience anxiety. I might experience a fight uh, or fight response. But if I think somebody's trying to attack me and I'm attributing their behavior to something intentional, I'm going to experience a threat and think fight back. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? From a Yeah, from a children's perspective, I'm just kind of thinking like um, – for everybody who doesn't know, I work with kids under the age of six um, for the most part. And like with kids who have extreme behaviors, extreme negative behaviors, um, a lot of the times they don't have control of their anger or frustration. Um, and a lot of them do feel attacked for some for something as simple as that. When it, For kids, it's hard. It's hard to help them understand other perspectives because they're so egocentric. Um, They can only think of their own emotions and they have to learn about their own emotions first, which is a lot of times what I'm working on with kids is understanding like, okay, this is what I, this is what my body's doing when I am angry and like naming the emotion and understanding the emotion and understanding the the reactions, their own reactions to those emotions. And then after that, you, they, they then have to learn how to portray emotions in other people and being able to respond to emotions in other people. So it's very complex when you get down to the nitty gritty, but like just thinking about, I was just sitting here thinking about like how that breaks down in the room with a kid interesting yeah. that you say that i so first and foremost when you started talking about that annie i thought more bpd like some borderline personality disorder sort of stuff where mm-hmm. they seem to have a similar not to say they have bpd you don't the attribution bias yes you don't have yeah, to be aggressive to have because it's just kind of like this idea that like everything is a slight against you it's very personal mm-hmm. and very like pointed when usually like it's not it seems very similar like whatever the thing in their brain is that's telling them that seems similar to what the people with the personality disorder perceive right um Mm -hmm. i would like to see the links between that but going back to what kayla said tell you in a second so go ahead yeah good um going back to what kayla said uh i like the word egocentric do you want to explain that to the listeners um i love how kayla does it to us (laughs) If I can remember a good definition, egocentric is... uh, She's the one that used the word. It's a stage in development um, in childhood where um, the person is unable, the brain is not developed enough to take on um, other people's thoughts and emotions. So it's very... um, The best example I can think of is like whenever... You tell a kid that it's mommy's birthday and the kid wants to go buy a birthday present and they buy mommy a truck because they think they are, they like a truck. And so they think mommy's going to like a truck, too, when they can't yet take on the perspective of what mommy would actually like. So that's like the best, like easy example I can think of right now. Yeah. And it's Freud, I believe, <clears throat> right? Piaget. Oh, it's and, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's like you, you haven't, the ego is Freud. You lose the, it. Yeah. 
ego is Freud. The ego is Freud, but ego, like the centric. stages of development, is Piaget. Yeah, because it's a kind of development. I like what you said about um, recognizing other people's emotions too, because that's actually a big part of Gottman. Um, and Gottman mm-hmm. is couples counseling, and a big tra- like a whole like part of that training with couples is to be like, what nonverbal cues is your partner giving you for their emotion? Like, can you recognize when they're upset? Can you recognize when something's off without them telling you that something is off? And they have like like sheets of people's faces on the training manual, and it's like what emotion is this face portraying? Like that's part of what they try to teach their couples. So I like when you said that too, because I think even some adults need to learn that. Well, what ties mm-hmm. it all together is the, the skill of empathy. Um, I talk mm-hmm. about empathy a lot with men. I talk about it with women, but in a different way, oftentimes. And I, and I, men, women, and I use that in terms of gender and how they were socialized. Um, so whatever gender they identify as is really not as important in that moment as what they were socialized as, because that's how they're typically going to um, portray their gender norms of empathy. Um, so the link there would be how you experience your emotions is directly tied to your level of empathy, because the more awareness you have about yourself, typically the more empathy you're going to have knowing one's own emotions is the foundation of being able to experience empathy. Because if I can't know my emotions and experience these emotions in, a, in at least somewhat of a conscious way, I cannot experience another person's emotions. Um, and Kinsey, mm-hmm. you're talking about BPD or borderline personality disorder. The reason that it, that you're thinking about that is, and this is why I love psychology. Um, I love us talking about psychology versus therapy sometimes because this is a term that kind of goes across the, the different models where we're all kind of if within different models right now for anybody who speaks therapy language. Um, social information processing, though, this is a psychological term. Social information processing. So how the action of another leads to be- uh, behavior. So when we're talking about hostile attribution bias, what they're going to say is that the way that we perceive others' actions and how we behave afterwards goes through a few steps. Um, So I don't need to read all this, but um, basically it's going to say that we first have to encode the information into our brain. Encoding is a process of memory, which means that we have somehow had some kind of sensory input. So we have seen it, we have heard it, we have um, experienced it in some way. Um, So we get the information from the environment. So we see the event taking place and then we have to accurately interpret or give meaning to it. Notice that it says, or, because accurate interpretation is very relative, right? How I Mm -hmm. interpret something and how somebody else does could be very different. Then we must decide a goal for the interaction. And this is all happening um, subconsciously. We then generate potential responses. So this is where um, a lot of psychologists are going to say that our brains kind of go through like trial and error thinking or heuristics, kind of depends on the approach. Then we're going to evaluate potential responses, select what they call the optimal response. Now, the optimal response is, again, dependent on an interpretation. And then we enact a chosen response. So this is the process that we go through when we are watching somebody else do something and then responding. So you consider that if you're sitting in a restaurant and you see two people look your way and they look back at each other and they start laughing, how you interpret that situation is really going to tell a person a lot about how you see yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where we go into like a lot of Freudian psychodynamic theory. Mm -hmm. So if you think about BPD and you're saying that 
you can see where they misinterpret a lot of social um, interactions. This would be why, because the way that they're processing the information is very skewed. It's very flawed. This is, mm-hmm. Go ahead. This gets even more complicated whenever you start talking about um, people and children who have, well, children are people um, who. Sometimes. I don't think so, but go ahead. Who have experienced trauma because, um, or neglect or abuse or anything of the sort, because then their reactions are very skewed and something that may trigger one person's fight or flight responses may not trigger someone else's fight or flight responses, which makes it very complicated to know how to react in certain situations. Um, And just throwing this out there, autism, people who Mm -hmm. um, have autism also have a really difficult time with um, reading um, social cues. And so, um, I'm interested to see, like, I, I don't know. I'm just, like, thinking of all the different perspectives this could take and how all of this could just get really muddied really fast. I think it well, really – go ahead, Kinsey. I think in general there's a lot of overlap between autism and some of these diagnoses anyways. There's a lot of misunderstanding of what that means. I have a lot of clients that have BPD. That's unfortunately a big part of my caseload. I say unfortunately because it sucks to have to deal with that, not because I don't like working with them, but um, and a lot, I think every single one of them has come to me at one point in time and said that they also think they're autistic. So like just a lot of overlap there and a lot of muddy waters with like, what is it really, you know? It gets very complicated when you start talking about all these different theories, all the different perspectives. And I actually had this conversation with a client on Friday um, somebody that I've been working with for a while, and that's within a a, um, a health profession, um, not mental health, but a health profession. And so, like, they understand a lot of mind body connection. And we were talking about all the different ways to treat because they requested a specific type of therapy for me to use a bit more with them. And so, what I was discussing with them is that the difficult part of treating something because they were saying, "Well, I don't know if I'm getting better because of this, this, or this." All the different things are doing. And I said, "The different, the difficult part of treating somebody and working with somebody." is that there's a thousand different perspectives we could take at any point. And we're all going to kind of hone in on one thing. So that for instance, with this, I touched a very tiny corner of the biological and physiological perspective of anger. There is a ton more that I could have shared about the, what is it, the cortochelamines or something, the adrenaline, all of it, all the different hormones mm-hmm. and chemical imbalances that could exist, not only from disorders, but also just from the moment, the way that your body is responding based off of your mental perceptions. So then you can make it even mm. more complex. Then not only do you have biology and disorders, then you have that the mind is consistently influencing the body and the body is consistently influencing the mind. But how do you treat? Where do you intervene? And then when you go into it, look at all the different perspectives that we've already taken in this. And it's no wonder mm-hmm. that clients sometimes get overwhelmed by mental health approaches and give up. And it's Mm -hmm. also why I, as a clinician, often struggle because I'm like, I have the ability to look at all kinds of different perspectives and I can see the different approaches within. And I feel sometimes like we get so much tunnel vision on our approaches that we see it as like this God of treatment. And you could be Mm -hmm. doing this, you know, a completely different thing and still helping this person. I could go from a biological approach and help somebody with anger and teach them about biology. I could go from a CBT approach and teach them about how to recognize their thoughts and manage their feelings. 
but that's my soapbox. Mm-hmm. I find I personally like to use a lot of different modalities with a lot of different yeah. clients. I don't like to use the same thing every day. And I think that's what makes us adaptable, right? To be able to do various things. But I don't think that was what was accepted back in the day when therapy first became a thing. I Nor think is it what's really day, taught. No, they want you to, no, you're right. They want you to pick something. And that has never worked for me. And let's just say, for instance, like I picked CBT in our master's program. And I cannot tell you how many clients come in and they think they want CBT or DBT. Mm -hmm. So cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectic behavior therapy. And they don't. Right. Whenever I try to do that, they are not receptive to it. So they won't change. They don't, it really, and I never would ever like say this to a person. They don't know what they want in that moment. And it's not because they're, they're idiots in their own lives. It's because they don't, they don't understand the language enough or the theory enough to know that what they're asking for is not quite what they're looking for, which is fine. It's my job to know that, not theirs, no, but it does make it hard. Or, um, say that again. Or, or the psychiatrist, which is my normal, is <laughs> yeah. saying, is saying you need DBT and they call me because that's how or I've EMDR my- nowadays. They need EMDR therapy. So I've gotten a lot of my yeah. uh, borderline clients as my website yeah. says I do DBT. And Same. I will say I do, <clears throat> I do not do typical DBT because I do not offer the support that's you're supposed to have 24 hours. But you do DBT do. informed, which is what I do. Yes. And so I do offer it, but it's like, they come to me because their psychiatrist told them that's what they need. And they Googled it. And I'm the only person that came up, you know, like, yeah. They don't know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in talking about treatment, Kayla, did you want to share anything before I go into the kind of the research on treatment really quick? Nope. Okay. So research on treatment, just really quick, is kind of what we're already mentioning. CBT is pretty popular. I don't think there's ever going to be any kind of mental health disorder that we don't mention CBT on just because we know why it's easy to research, blah, 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 blah. Um, mindfulness, yep. I would heavily agree with this one. Mindfulness is going to be an effective approach. Um, learning how to be present, to to be aware of your thoughts and feelings before you act, slowing it down, things like that. They also specifically uh, mentioned imagery in using mindfulness um, so that a lot of the skills that they taught in successful treatment of road raging incidents is going to include deep relaxation, stress management, coping skills, cognitive restructuring. So where you learn to think about the thoughts that are ineffective in the moment and learning different ways to think about roadway events and stressors. So this is where it really hits on being able to slow down the narrative that you're creating of the incident. So Mm -hmm. that is road raging. I will be sharing all of this with Kevin afterwards so that we can um, keep him from yelling at any poor innocent victims on the road after this. (laughs) Use your brain. Use your fucking brain. (laughs) And he pointed at his head and everything. It was, it was great. Uh, Kinsey was just a no. That was good. The background. Yeah, there was so I, much. I I was I was excited about a lot of this, as you could tell. Well, it's very rare that we find a lot of information on what we're interested in. So, yeah, I will um, update the fly that fell into my wine that I fished out and caught. I put on my napkin. It flew off, so the fly's gone again. Shut up! Why didn't you smash it, Annie? I don't like smashing bugs. I don't. I don't like killing anything. I'm a gentle giant. So, listeners, that's Road Rage. Um, you know, feel free to to call <laughs> in to our phone number that we don't have and tell us what your the fuck are you saying? Of, shh, and, and tell us your stories of road rage. We'd love to hear from you, and so we can talk about you and judge you and tell you why you are wrong and just wrongly attributing with your hostile bias. 
But wow, who's going to take us out today? I brought us in. Until next time, don't forget to follow me on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. I post all of the posts. So if you want to talk to me directly and only me, I am here to talk to you. I will respond. I've never seen somebody who uses I in a team more than Kinsey, but keep going, please. (laughs) Uh, This is my stick now. This is my thing. I hope you all stay mental. Stay morbid. We will see you Tuesday.